0: Like, this is a life or death situation. This is the thing. Bipolar disorder can be a fatal disorder. Sometimes they ask me to pay. I still, I get everything for free because I'm low income. So everything's absolutely free, no matter how much um, it costs. And I say to them, like, do you want me to die on your watch? <laughs> like, if I go off this medication, I could die.
1: And my heart.
2: I'm excited to bring you part two of my conversation with Canadian musician and mental health advocate Sarah Jickling. While part one focused mainly on mental health and constructive coping mechanisms to deal with anxiety and depression, in this episode we consider what so-called American values are, as opposed to Canadian values, and spend a good chunk of time ragging on the U.S. healthcare system. You'll also get an additional sampling of Sarah's music, as it features songs from her newly released album, The Family Curse. The introductory music was an excerpt from the song Hospital Bed, the intermission music is Cautionary Tale, and we close with a song called Saint. You can find all of Sarah's music on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, and elsewhere. She's also, of course, on Instagram as atsarah.jickling, as well as Twitter and Facebook, and pretty much every other social media platform you can imagine. I would also like to say a quick thank you to my perennial inspiration and podcast guru, Erica Heilman, who produces the best podcast on earth, Rumble Strip. Thank you for everything, Erica. If you've not yet listened to part one of my conversation with Sarah, I recommend you do so. If you start here with part two, you won't be completely in the dark, but if you start with part one, episode number 58, this time is different, you'll get a better sense of who she is. Now... I proudly bring you episode 59 of What We Will Abide, What Makes You a Canadian. Thanks for listening. Do Canadians look southward and say, oh, good Lord, you sad sacks of shit? Well,
0: we're a pretty big country, so I think that in Vancouver, it's scary. It's scary, honestly, to to go to the States like is like you think like what if you get shot? Like that's the the big thing is like America ha they, people have guns there. <laughs>
2: yes, yes, we do.
0: And and so that's like the I think one of the biggest things in Vancouver where like a very like everybody's really politically active and critical of our own government so really it's just like we're mostly worried that we're gonna elect a trump here like we Mm -hmm. we see it happening all over the world and we see the people who are responsible and we see the people we see why this happens and we know that most americans like that that Statistically, the majority of Americans don't agree with with what's going on. So honestly, you just feel really bad for <laughs> feel bad for you guys. I really <laughs> do because I have I have a friend, uh, another person I met online who lives in Seattle who had to go off her medication because she couldn't afford it, and yeah, uh, that's like that blows my mind um, because my medication is all covered completely mm-hmm. by the government, and and I just yeah, I just, it it's, it's sunnier there and I, that's cool. And, but, but, um, I always say like, I can never go and live in the States because I need, I need the healthcare really bad. Like it's, it's really important. Um, so
2: this is, this is coming up right now because obviously we're, um, in the throes of yet another election cycle. Thank God for us. Like this, you know, the worst possible thing ever is these election cycles, which seem to just grow and grow and grow and now they're interminable right. um, but one of the things that keeps one of the things that's coming up because whatever you think of Bernie Sanders um, and whatever you think of you know Elizabeth Warren, and you being everybody, um, mm-hmm. the agenda at least for the Democratic Party, at least in some to some degree has been pushed mm-hmm. to the left, yeah. and a conversation about universal health care is a real thing where it's been basically. Laughed out of the room for seventy-five years. Um,
0: Unimaginable. You know,
2: Tr- President Truman actually back in the '40s was actually interested in universal healthcare, um, taking a cue from the British after the Second World War. Mm-hmm. And there was a massive, massive media campaign starting in California, which then became national to kill that idea. Um, that was basically a manufactured crisis by an ad company, by like two ad execs or, you know, campaign manager types, marketing types, who were like, we have to tell the story of the healthcare professionals. We have to tell the story about the doctors who are going to lose money if the universal healthcare system gets implemented. And so that whole thing has been like a big dog and pony show for three quarters of a century. You know, we had the ACA, which could have been a really effective program that could have done some of the things that, Countries that have universal healthcare, socialized medicine, or whatever yeah. dastardly term you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but it was like gutted by the Republicans, and you know, because they hated Obama so much, just because he was Do- black, basically.
1: I, yeah. Exactly.
2: And so they were like, well, "You're not going to do anything because you're a black guy, and we can't have that." So um, we're just going to say no. And so they did. And so like we got this like toothless version of of ACA, mm-hmm. um, which you know for a hundred thousand reasons is is ridiculous, and it, for a hundred thousand more reasons it's ridiculous that people in this country do not have access to healthcare in the way the Canadians do. It's awful. So I actually would like you to make the case for like for universal healthcare and make the case against the. Oft used argument that, like, it's not as good care, you can't make as much if you're a health professional. So, speak for a minute as an advocate for that system.
0: When I was in the States recently, and I realized I'd forgotten some medication, so I had to go to a walk-in clinic, Um, uh, and it was lovely. You know, I got in right away, and the people were really nice, and it cost me $300 American. And I was like, you know what? I don't care how nice you are to me or how fast I got in because $300 American is a lot of money. And the (laughs) idea that that it's worth it is is ridiculous because all I did was say hey I forgot my medication and he wrote down on a piece of paper here you go and that was it and so the idea that oh the care is worse the truth is that there are lineups and so what there's lineups it means you're you're not going to not get help you're not going to be turned away and if you are somebody who has a lot of money and wants to get some sort of private doctor there are ways to do that but don't do it at the like think that nobody should get healthcare just because you want some fancy thing um you know some really nice walk in clinic because it's 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 so scary to think that you wouldn't be able to to get a surgery that you needed, or you wouldn't be, you know, that that having cancer could put you out of this much money. Um, in Canada, nobody would ever think that. There, we don't have any GoFundmes for for people who are sick. That's I see and, it more and more. Yeah, and and the, and uh, this is it's been this way at least since I was born. So I don't hear people who are more well off than me being like, "Oh, I wish." I, I wish we had American healthcare so I could pay to be in front of everyone in the line or whatever it is. I don't hear people say that. I just hear people say, you know, do the regular complaining of, oh, you know, I had to wait this long at the doctor's. But it's not a big deal. It's not as big of a deal as like not getting medical care, like waiting in line. That's what people complain about. It's not that bad. Like not being able to afford your treatment and then being turned away is really bad,
2: yeah, there are people who make a decision every single day about whether they're gonna buy food or pay their rent or get their medication or get their dialysis or get their chemotherapy or whatever it might be
0: and and like the thing is even uh, even like my most conservative relatives aren't like, we should get rid of universal health care. It's just a thing that that is just so a part of i guess. The government is like, okay, yeah. The government helps us with healthcare. Um, that's what they're there for. That that's so that we make sure that people yeah, that people can of af- be able to afford to get treatment for yeah, with their dialysis and with all the things that cost so much money. I would not be able to be on the medications I'm on um if I if I lived in the States. I know that because I ran out of one week's worth of one and had to pay like a hundred dollars. So I'm on five. Um, and
2: and what would it mean if you were not able to afford that medication? What would that like mean would, on a day-to-day basis? I would
0: be dead. Like this is a life or death situation. This is the thing. Bipolar disorder is a fate can be a fatal disorder. And that's what it, sometimes my um, my special low income insurance, Needs to be re-signed by a doctor, and they ask me to pay. Um, the, a very it's you know a lot of silly paperwork, but I still I get everything for free because I'm low income, so everything's absolutely free, no matter how much um, it costs. And um, and I say to them like, "Do you want me to die on your watch? <laughs> like, if I go off this medication, I could die." And like, that's the seriousness of this. And they're always like, okay, fine, (laughs) just give it to me. It doesn't matter to them. Um, And so that's, I mean, so many of these cases are life or death.
2: Isn't that a huge drain on your government? Shouldn't your government be paying for other things than your medication? And And why should other citizens have to pay for your medication? If indeed it comes out of our taxes, which is the whole way it works, it's a drain on your government and also it's a drain on your citizens.
0: I mean honestly, we've had it for so long that people aren't thinking it's a drain on the government people people just accept that this is this is part of what a government does. government we you pay taxes because you're gonna pay taxes anyways, and then that's what part of what we put our taxes towards. It's not like we have crazy high taxes. we don't and um honestly, our the people who who think that they shouldn't have to pay pay taxes so that everyone can get health care when they actually see the amount of, if they actually saw the amount of money that it's costing them, it's costing them almost like barely anything. Um, and what if you get sick? You're, you're not going to be able to afford health care either. Um, and so it's, it's really like you're, you're, I know that people just feel like they're gambling with themselves and saying like, I'm probably not going to get sick. Um, but you probably will like at some point in your life would you rather me like just you know get my medication every every month or or have to stay in the hospital like in a psych ward and and or like you know the, the other there are other things that are a lot more draining on the government um and and also on our for, at least for Vancouver we have we've had like some big shot like basketball players come here and condemn all of our homelessness and stuff like that. So we, it's it's a, it's become like this thing that it's we're it, it, um it's making us look bad. So I feel like it's, if only you could get people to have like their vanity involved or like it looks bad that your country is full of people who are like dying and they can't get help. <laughs> Honestly, it's like a trashy look on you. <laughs> then maybe they would feel like oh yeah, we need to have a better country than that.
2: You may be right on that. That might be uh, something to push because <laughs> what are what are American values? Like I'm, I'm, I'm asked that question sometimes or I ask that question sometimes when that comes up or I'm teaching an American history class. Routinely teenagers who maybe actually are fans of the system, certainly like pro-free market, pro-capitalism, things like that. And you say, well, what are American values? And their answer is always like money. We like money in this country. We like money. We like image. Yeah. It seems like that's true. Yeah. Do you personally do you personally resonate with those values? And routinely, kids, no matter what their political views, will say, "No, not at all." There's a disconnect there, and I don't know. Maybe shaming us what would is work.
0: Look. Honestly, it's like you you look terrible. Like you need to clean it up. <laughs> Something like
2: that. But, you hear that, America? Yeah. One Canadian just said we need to clean up our act, so we better do it.
0: Yeah, I the what, the thing that you're just saying, um, the idea of like this is the value of America. Like, at, so that's a big part that we just don't have here. We just don't have that like idea of like this is the country where everybody you know can do whatever they want, and that that whole. That whole idea—it's just not part of our identity. So I see how that you know can, if that is in your country's identity, whereas our identity is—I don't even know what it is. Like we play hockey; like we don't really have a strong identity. So people aren't like, "No way! I live in Canada. I should be able to do whatever I want." Uh, that's that's just not part of our. Like nobody's grows up thinking that.
2: I'm tempted to to ask you as a Canadian, um, why isn't that your value system? What is your identity? How is it that it's, if that's true, so different from what we posited as American identity, if indeed we're right about that and maybe we're not? Um, But there's been a lot of talk, a lot of honest talk recently about American identity as um, rooted in violence. Um, You were talking earlier about... uh, I don't want to go to the States. I'm going to get shot. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah. I mean, funny, but it's also horrifying. Yeah. And, and like, I don't even know how to respond to that except to say, yeah, you could. Yeah. Um. So don't come. Yeah. Um. But, but like, so Americans, you know, if we're being honest about our history, I ask this because I think of Canada has sort of a similar history yeah. where, you know, yeah. you had an indigenous population that was largely eradicated by European colonialists. Mm-hmm. Okay you did not have slavery in the way that we did. And so I'm I'm interested in why not and what does Canadian racism look like and what are its origins? How do you sort of reconcile with like, you know, whatever's left of the indigenous population or the history of Canada becoming a country on the backs of other people's land? Like in the United States, we're unabashed about the fact that like, some people are unabashed about the fact that like, we were destined by God to take this land from heathens, from barbarians. And we were destined, the land was destined to be, um, you know, cultivated and built by heathens and barbarians from Africa. God said, here's what you get. You get Indians to kill and you get black people to put upon to do all your work. And those two things, the land and the, the, you know, the economic boom that comes from that are what built America. And like, I'm not willing to entertain any other way of looking at it. This has gotten me in trouble in the past in my classroom, as you might imagine. Um, but actually teenagers, as you, as you alluded to earlier, are sort of open to this, whereas their parents might not be. Yeah. Teenagers are like, oh, yeah, you know, like it's a fucked up country. You've done some fucked up things. Yeah. So how come Canada doesn't have the same track record or does it or what's the deal?
0: Yeah, so living in Vancouver, um, I think I have a different, just, just, just con- continuing to say that like it's a very big country and there are lots of different um, types of people. And I always think Canadian stereotypes aren't true. And then I go to a small town in Canada and I'm like, oh no, we, yeah, no, it's it's all true. Um, so, Give me an
2: example of a Canadian stereotype. Oh,
0: um, like the idea that they say a like well, it's a good night for hockey, a eh? like that's the thing. <laughs> people in small towns say and they drink beer and they play hockey and they like just you know I don't know that's the kind of stuff like that that you think about um, that I think about I guess um, and and it's and it's, they have that really really intense accents and stuff that people would maybe use to make fun of Canadians they have really intense yeah. accents They're in similarly to the states there's a big you know population of people who who would disagree with what I'm going to say. But in Vancouver especially, there is a big movement to um, acknowledge that this land is stolen um, and, and to acknowledge all of this kind of stuff. I mean, Canada Day, for example, people were like don't celebrate canada day this is you know this country is on stolen land we are d- we don't feel proud of this country um, always people are very critical of of canada what like canadians are at least in vancouver um and and so we do have like we have um a native population that's pretty that we we put i guess now we try to put um, more funds towards and I actually just happen to be on right now going through a jury for um, we're giving grants to indigenous artists and they're writing about their experiences and they've had horrible experiences and we've done horrible things Um, but right now where where we are is we're talking about it um, and there's a, so, for example, if you were to go give a talk somewhere, you'd say, uh, "Before we start, we'd like to acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the First Nations people." Most, and then you'd say which um, bands, so the Coast Salish, the Squamish, and the Tsleil-Waututh people, like so, so. The, people will say that before a, a talk or an assembly or a concert. Sometimes people will put that at, in, in the bottoms of their emails. Um, and just kind of like it's, it's a, or, or at the beginning of a book being published, it's, we are trying to have more and more um, just like, in, I guess, reconciliation uh, in terms of indigenous peoples um, and, and, and and like
2: we're we're
0: not it's, yeah it's it's less of a, a priority for you guys and like it's been a long time coming for us for sure and like it's it's not perfect at all but we at least like our government which is the liberals are in power and they're kind of the center government um and they're still like very you know they put a task force together to to find there. there's the the um missing and murdered indigenous women and like they, they there's a there's a lot of right now um a lot of people are trying to to make a change um in terms of indigenous people and the way that Canada has treated them and 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 I know also because my mom is an elementary school teacher that they're adding more things into the curriculum and because I when I um was in school they'd already they they teach you America is a melting pot and Canada is a patchwork quilt. So we have, we're multicultural. So you don't have to lose, you don't have to lose your cultural identity when you move here. And so we're not really, it's not like we have a culture. We're just made up of a whole bunch of different cultures. That's at least what they, what, what I was taught in school. So um, that's kind of, it, it it's really people talk a lot about like and quite critically about Canada and about like you know the way that we got here and what should we do um and and there are other provinces like uh one of the provinces where my um some of my family lives Alberta, they are not quite as into like uh it just depends who's who's in power in that in that province the premier the person who's uh who who's kind of like the head of the provincial government and right now in in bc we have like the the most left-wing parties have formed a coalition and they are now finally actually um running the government. So we are making a lot of changes that I can see. People are talking about these, this kind of stuff all the time.
1: I can't remember if I'm smart. It's been so long since I passed a test of flying colors. Letter grades were such comfort. I'm staring straight into the void. I've gambled all I've got on a career in making noise I'm trying to listen to my inner voice I think I'm doing this wrong Am I supposed to feel like this? I think I'm doing this wrong I think I'm doing this wrong I think I'm doing this wrong Am I supposed to feel like shit? I think I'm doing this wrong I think I'm doing I'm so (laughs) so good at making bad choices
2: Put a ban on you for a while. The thing that you posted was there's no bans on male fitness. There's no bans on what men can post in terms of nakedness of their body to a degree. I'm beset by ads for fitness apps oh, really? and on the fitness. Yeah, oh yeah, uh-huh. and on the fitness app in my Instagram, and on the fitness apps. So I'm probably gonna get banned from Instagram for mentioning this on you know a podcast that 150 people listen to. I, I'm beset by ads for for fitness, and there's all these guys who are like, "You want abs look like mine?" And uh, no, but <laughs> the, the point is, like, that is an advertisement on Instagram. Clearly, something that they're pushing, uh-huh. and it's it, it strikes me as being inherently sexist that the assumption would be that. Um, any woman who is showing any part of her body on the internet is doing it um, for prurient purposes. And there's all there's already a problem with that because the internet itself is a haven for pornography. The double standard there is infuriating. Publicly, women cannot be proud of their bodies. Men can. Privately, women can show and should show all their bodies to men for the pleasure of men.
0: I definitely live in a bit of a bubble where I just talk to pole dancers and now I actually like know a lot of strippers and have, you know, it's, it's, I never would have thought that this, that I would have been in this world a, a few years ago, but it's been such a helpful world for me. Um, but just, just, um, I mean, the, the, these, this law has, is actually problematic in so many ways that I know Feminists always use the word problematic. I don't mean to say it like that, but um, uh, <laughs> just just the fact that it 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 actually doesn't really stop child sex trafficking. All it course, does right. is censor women and sex workers, and like uh, it, from everything from making it more dangerous to be a sex worker because you have to go back onto the street to banning women posting fitness photos like and so so it's like it's a huge so many people that it affected and i was having a hard time kind of i I, arguing i was arguing a little bit i had one of my male friends who was not doing well uh comment and be like why are you why are you bothered that you that you and your friends can't post this stuff like kids might see it and right I, i thought well. Have you seen it? Cause it doesn't it's not what you think. It's it's uh and there you know, I, I just said like it's just women working out, really. Like some of the hashtags that were banned were like pull family or like, you know, like uh yeah, just like things that were just so in my mind
1: so wholesome. <laughs>
0: uh but there's a poll involved. Um and and so yeah, poll. Pull workout, all that stuff. And then, of course, eventually female fitness and also the hashtag everybody is a bikini body <laughs> um, also ended up getting. No
2: good. That um, one. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. So um, a- and this is different in different countries as well. So it- to be fair. Um, anyways, he was really upset that I would complain about this because this is not a very big deal and who cares? Like I should just pull dance in like and not talk about it, not post it on Instagram. Um, And he took it in, in a way that was really like he I think that he's been kind of radicalized online by like men's rights activist groups because he started talking about how men have it so hard and, and you know, all of these things that are actually problems that like in feminism we do address, which is like the fact that men are seen as weak if they ask for help if they have anxiety, if they have depression, and, and all the different problems that come along with that. And I'm so aware of that. And and unfortunately he just wouldn't he wouldn't listen, um, which is fair. But it's like it, it, it ended up being a really complicated thing for me posting about that. I did end up having to have some really tough conversations with people.
2: My children are always saying to me, "You never cry," uh, and you know we think you're an alien because you never cry, and uh, I'm not really allowed to. Like, mm-hmm. and I and there's a part of me that like believes that. I, I don't so I don't want to cast aspersions about a person that I've never met, but your friend um, being radicalized by men's rights groups on the internet is frightening to me. Um, that seems to be going in the absolute wrong direction. Yeah. Um, and the concept that men have it hard because you know, you know, masculinely to, you know, require certain things of them is I think the wrong way to think about it. Um, And that there are like looking at and being curious about why these things exist, why these taboos or these strictures exist about what women are supposed to be like and what men are supposed to be like and asking questions about them is a way better way to go about it. And, one of, you know, one of the questions that I've asked myself many times, and why don't I cry? And the answer is because when I was younger and I cried, I got yelled at for it. Yeah. And I was told, that is not a thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. And I'm so well into the whole therapeutic thing that I, I'm like, I don't even blame my dad for being no, yeah. draconian about that because mm-hmm. my crying scared him. Something's wrong with my son and I don't know how to fix it. It makes me anxious, so I'm going to get angry, so that I can uh-huh. uh, obliterate my vulnerability. Yeah, and I know that because I, I, I have the same impulse with my own children when they cry a certain yeah. way. With this, my first impulse is to turn and say, "Stop crying!" And then, like, because I'm training myself to change that, I turn and I say, "It looks like you're having a really hard time right now. What's going on?"
0: That's amazing that- to hear you say that. <laughs>
2: If someone had said that to me when yeah. I was seven, eight, nine, my life my life would have been totally different. I'd yeah. be much taller. I'd be uh, president of the United States. I'd drive a much fancier car. Uh, my whole life would have been very, very different.
1: First he built me, then he broke me. Gave me breath and then he choked me.